Can I do what? What idea was that? So let's say, let's say during a day, there's a lot of yapping, and you've been sort of being engaged with a lot of yapping. I call it the great lineage of yapping, and the grand master is Nagger. <laughs> so the mind is yapping. That's a very good martial art. <laughs> yapping is going on, and you're sort of in the mix of it. Yeah? And maybe about 15 minutes later, another form of yapping occurs, which is sort of like now is talking about the previous yapping as if it had nothing to do with the yapping, yeah? That the yapping at this point seems like the yapping was happening to this yapping that's talking, yeah? This is what I'm talking about. That's self. And it can go up to the ultimate level. There's no authentic self that anything's ever happening to. It can go... One, one you know, ring of hell, another ring of hell, another ring. It's an infinite ring. There's no, there's no, the language is never going to state an authentic scene. It's always going to be part of the mental process, yes? So that's what I'm talking about. Let's say you've been wrestling with something this morning, and then you have breakfast, and while you're taking a shower, the same process arises, but from a different peculiar position. Now it's commenting on all the yapping that happened 20 minutes before breakfast, as if it had nothing to do with it. That was none of that. That has no. There's not. That's so foreign to me. This yapping is in a whole different pedigree than that. That yapping. Yeah. And then there'll be another yapping, which will be a spiritual one that will recognize both of those yappings as something different. Then another one, which will recognize these three forms of yapping as something different. And, and there's a sense that, all right, when I'm seeing the yapping, that's, and, you know, there's a talking about it, that that's not yapping. But all of that is a product of the mental process. The mental process cannot leave the mental process and comment on the mental process. It's all the mental process, yeah? So self can't come out of what made it and then look at what made it as if it's foreign. It takes that position, but it's a product of what it's commenting on. So, yeah? So when your head's going crazy and then you get that seeming moment 20 minutes later when the storm's over and now there's the commentator arises and go, wow! That was really a lot of selfing going on. That's selfing also, in a sense, because you're assuming it to be you. There's an assumption that you're now pontificating over the previous stuff. Yeah? The I am... Yes, because, see, in the seeing of what you know... What, what you gnaw? I was gnawing that earlier. The seeing of what you're not is being conscious. And that's a demonstration of what you are, which is consciousness. Yeah? No, there's just a seeing. There's no talking going on. It's not brought to you in a, in a language voice form. It's a knowing or a seeing that's prior to me, prior to thinking or language. Yeah? There's a knowing that I'm not that. It's not a saying I'm not that. There's just a seeing, and in the seeing, it's a state like a, 
a living statement, I'm not that. And that's being what you are, which is conscious. So everything that's arising cannot possibly be you. Everything that's arising is in the content. You are the context of it. But the context of it isn't a place where the mind, the mental processes put a flag and say, I'm the authentic self now talking about the whole mental process. No. That's a product of a mental process. That feel, that feeling and the yapping of a mental uh, authentic self. So no matter how many times you want to be in the auditorium and claim that, oh yes, everything I'm seeing is unreal, that's really clear, but there's an assumption that you're real seeing it as this. Yeah, That's in the content. You and I, as a mental process, can never get to the context. Self can't climb out of the pool of self and then be a self outside the pool of self. It's a, part, it's a product of a mental process. Yeah. The product of a mental process cannot possibly transcend the mental process. <laughs> because it doesn't appear anywhere else but in the mental process. Yeah. You as... That is, because you don't have to say, I'm not that. But then again, when you're in the mental process, it's like Ramana said, you have a thorn in your foot. What do you do? You get another thorn. So here's the thorn in your foot, let's say selfing. So you take the statement, which is brought to you by the mental process, I'm not that, and you use that thorn to take the first thorn out. You don't replace the first thorn with that. Yeah, It's just a little tool. You use it out, you dig the first thorn out, and then you discard the second thorn. You don't go, okay, I get the fourth thorn out, let me put this one in. This feels a lot better. This one is like a spiritual thorn. I like this feeling. No, you take that out and throw that away. Yes? So the I am not, I'm not that isn't a, a verbal statement. It's seen. I can sit here in that, but here we're communicating with language, so I'm saying it's can be translated in a crude way, I'm not that. Yeah. But the idea of the mental process ever arising above the mental process is part of the mental process. When that head, when the head is taking a lofty or a spiritual position, it's still in the mental realm. Yes? There is no mount, whatever that is, that's the big mountain, or Everest, that takes you above the mental process as a product of it. That Mount Everest is in the mental process. Everything is included in the system of self-centeredness. The witnessing or the sense of being on is not in that mental process. It's actually what is the illuminating factor of the mental process. Why the process is being delivered is your conscious. So consciousness is the context, and in that consciousness there's a mental process going on, seemingly, yeah? And that mental process is making a realm or a special somewhere in the everywhere of consciousness. So all there is is everywhere, but most of us feel we're in a special somewhere, don't we? I mean, you believe you're having private thoughts, probably. Your thoughts are different than mine, and your feelings are definitely different than my feelings and your reactions to life will be different than mine. I'm very, I'm a unique 
apparatus, yes? That's what's being entertained. And the only authority you can always go back to is the root of the problem, which is the product of a mental process self. So, constantly, if you meet the greatest master of all time, I said this last night, and they tell you, you, are, you have been always okay, you are okay, and you forever will be okay. That may last for about an hour or two, and then you'll get home and you'll start seeking again. I've got to, hey, I've got to make this okay better, or somehow. You would become relevant once again. Yeah? That, to me, is the, in, the incessant drive of selfing, is to be relevant. How does it be relevant? We call it in recovery, playing God. How does it play God? It tells you how the day is going to be. It tells you how you are, how you were, and how you probably will be. It tells you how the world is, how it was, how it will be. How they are, how they were, how they will be. It's telling you, it's constantly forecasting. It's like a crazy weatherman, constantly forecasting how it thinks it's going to be. And in some way, maybe you'll get a counter-authority, but all authorities are coming from the system of self-centeredness. They're all from the mental process. Yeah. So, and you'll be the final authority. I mean, the Dalai Lama could come up to you today if you were into the Dalai Lama and say, you are totally okay. I bet you that wouldn't last for, you know, by the time you got home. <laughs> You're probably sitting on a meditation. I'm going to okay better now. It would constantly kick in and reestablish the fact yet that you're the authority, the you that you're not. This is just seeing. If you see it, the only reason I share this way is because I can't tell you what things are like. You know, how can you describe what's indescribable? But you can definitely describe what's not so because it's appearing all day. The mental process is presenting and representing life from this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. How can you not see it? You're conscious. What causes you not to be able to see it is when you become identified as its central theme, which is of being a self. Then now, in a way, all you're seeing gets subjugated to that idea, and now you're seeing from it. Yeah? You're not seeing it anymore. The, the potential's there. The seeing is there, but now the seeing has sort of been commandeered, and now we're seeing from it. We're seeing from the idea that I'm conscious. Yeah? And in this world of duality, which is just the dream, the structure of the dream, the mind, the mental process of self-centeredness is defined by duality. Yeah? So if it believes it can be conscious, it can believe it can be unconscious. It cannot believe or entertain all there is is consciousness, because then it would have no relevance in it. Yeah? It can only entertain that I can be unconscious, usually based on what I do or don't do, or I can be conscious and only based on what I do or don't do. <laughs> so basically, consciousness really has nothing to do with your being conscious. You have all to do with you being conscious. That, to me, is the root of unconsciousness. That you believe that you are really what causes you to be conscious or not by what you pursue today. So let's say if I went to three meetings like this, you went to me and then a super better me and a super, super better person, and then you probably go home and feel like, man, I'm feeling really conscious today. 
Yet, the next morning, let's say, something happened, it could also convince the mind very easily that you're really unconscious now. Sunday, let's say. Yeah? So Saturday, you're really feeling conscious because I went to yoga, I had a really nice, uh, clean meal, I, I meditated for an hour, I went to a talk for three hours, sat in this place, and man, I'm feeling freaking conscious now. Then the next day, I don't do the, I miss the talk, I miss one day of meditation, and the head says, I'm unconscious. And so now, you live as if you're unconscious on Sunday, and you live as if you were conscious Saturday night. I would say that's playing God. Yeah? The head's playing God. Yeah? And all, of, all your level of consciousness will be based on you. <laughs> what you entertain or don't entertain. <laughs> when, in fact, consciousness is based on consciousness, I would say. You get totally cut out of the deal, so then your say as this head doesn't matter anymore. So what was something that was based on circumstances and conditions becomes unbased on anything. It's all there is. Yeah? You, the idea of getting closer and farther or being connected or disconnected is just washed out. It's just so freaking obvious all there is is consciousness. What's next? I don't know. Do a talk, don't do a talk. Have a coffee, don't have a coffee, whatever. But all the while, the doing and not doing will be witnessed by consciousness. Yeah? So the one ingredient in all the yes and no's and being closer and farther or feeling good or bad will be what's illuminating that, that you call your life. Yeah? Consciousness. That's the context. The content is being predominated by a mental process. That mental process can never transcend its maker. Self can't get out of self. The beautiful news is, I don't have to get out of self, because I was never in self. My attention and interest got drawn from the context into the content. So I fell into the pool and I can't get out, so to speak. So I'm swimming around, and all the preservers I find may, may let me be buoyant in the pool, but it may never take me out of the pool. Yeah? So I practice this and that, and I get a little buoyancy, and I'm thinking, this is great, but I'm still in the content, in a way. My attention and interest is emphasizing the content, based on this being me. When I see I'm not that, my interest and attention can be free, and then it emphasizes the context. So foreground of content goes like this, boop, 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 and the background of context goes like this. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Now you're traveling as this, not traveling as this. Yeah? This is still traveling. This is the only mode of travel, the body here. But there, your attention and interest will be freed from the slavery of being what it isn't and will be free-ranging in what it is. So now... Your attention and interest can go a lot of different places you never knew it would go because it's just spontaneous and immediate, yes? It takes different cues. It doesn't take the cue from self-centeredness. It takes the cue from whatever. So it's open and alert, and it's like Zen, they would talk about it as the I don't know state, yeah? Very high form of traveling here. I don't know. So when you don't know and you really don't know, it's, there's an alertness in that. There's an immediacy to that. There's like a, a pulsing in that. You're alive. Because you don't know. You have no idea what's happening. Just like when I travel. One of my big mistakes is I never even look at the schedule people make up. So I went to New Jersey, they made, uh, New York, and they made this huge schedule for me. Like six hours every day. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, and I just couldn't do it. I mean, 
This doesn't take six hours. This is like it's nothing. It's really just an invitation. It's like a mailman, you know. I'm not meant. You're not meant to go home with me. I'm just put, just inviting you to see, and you have that quality already, yeah. So, but they had me backed up for like hours, like seven hours every day. <laughs> it didn't go well, so to speak. <laughs> I was done like in the first minute in a way. But there you go. All right, let's go over it over and over. Especially what's not happening. <laughs> so, it's an immediate. It's got a real what you would call living quality. It's when the, it's like the verb, the expression of the verb overrides the emphasis of being a noun. Yeah? And then the noun is seen as a verb. That's all. The noun is seen as a verb and then all is verbing and all is a movement in consciousness. So in that, consciousness is what moves and is also what's still. It's a strange thing, but it's duality. Yeah? The consciousness is what moves and consciousness is what's still. So it's difficult to recognize consciousness as all there is, but it's easier in the sense to come to intimate it by its movement of being conscious of. So all day, consciousness is being conscious of things, yeah? But in that activity, you can be conscious of consciousness. So, seeing is seeing. It's coming through these five gates, like hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling, and there's in Buddhism, they would call the mind a sixth gate. So the mind sees thoughts like the eye sees a bird. Yeah? There's no thinker of the thought. The eyes, the mind sees, the apparatus produces thoughts, yes? They come to the surface of consciousness, consciousness witnesses, sees it. But so here I am. Seeing is seeing through vision, through hearing, through tasting, through touching. And the five gates doesn't mean that's all that's the gates don't define seeing. Seeing is just coming through here, those five gates. And and there's a expression or a demonstration every time there's a seeing that that's the verb of consciousness. The head has hijacked that and says, I'm seeing. And so the demonstration of being alive and conscious here has been neutered immediately because as soon as the mental process is recognizing seeing, goes, I'm seeing that. Yeah? And so the seeing becomes the seeing of name and form in old Hindu stuff. So the head gives name to form. It gives name to the seer and the seeing and gives it form. This is the form of the seer, that's the form of the seer. So now, the act of being conscious, here, which is a verb, this is a, a place of being, yeah? or existing, the act of being. The act of consciousness, being, is conscious of. It's just conscious of, all day. So there's the conscious of, and Buddha would say, when you see, see, you know, when you hear, hear, when you feel, feel, when you taste, taste, when you touch, touch, that's not how it's going usually for quote-unquote us. It's, I'm seeing that. The emphasis is on the seer and the seeing, but not on the seeing. So all the while, the seeing is what produces the seer and seeing. If there was no seeing, there would be no seer or no seeing, obviously. If there was no seeing, there couldn't be a seer and there wouldn't be anything seen. But that's being totally underappreciated and all the emphasis on the seer and the seeing, but not the seeing. This is all we're talking about here. 
I'm just giving you an invitation, maybe, to entertain that what's happening may not be you, and your emphasis can shift into seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And if you're conscious of that, you can be conscious of the stillness of consciousness. Yeah? So while all this is going on, all the verbing is going on, there's a stillness amidst it. So every while, after a while, a day, all the particulars or all the content of the day really gets fuzzy and there's a loss of interest in it. And what's your interest and attention is, is in the context of the day or of the month or of the year or of the lifetime. The context, which is consciousness. You sense it, you intimate it as traveling is going on. And that... I mean, the greatest immunity to the effects of a mental process is to see it as a mental process. If you're taking yourself to be a product of the mental process, then the effects will be as real as real can be. They cannot not be. If I'm taking myself to be the product of the mental process, then the effects of that mental process will seem to be as real as real can be. If I'm taking myself to be a dreamed object, every other dreamed object has the ability to manufacture fear in me. The only solution would be to wake up and to realize I'm not a dream object. So that dream tiger won't won't scare me anymore. All the while I'm taking myself to be this, I can study all I want, but when push came to shove and I met that tiger, I'd be fucking flipping out. (laughs) Whatever philosophy I was taking or whatever, I would flip out when it came to the point. But if you see that it's a dream tiger, would you be afraid of it? It would lose its hold on you. So, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. See or seeing. Isn't that the story of your day? Being the seer and all the things you've seen. Being the seer of your thoughts and all the thoughts you've seen. Being the thinker of your thoughts and all the thoughts you felt you thought. And then let's say you come to an idea that one of them was a bad thought, so you don't want to share that with anyone. Let's say... If I'm a product of thought, and I'm supposed to be a teacher, or whatever, and I have a bad thought, let's say at 11 o'clock, I see a beautiful woman, and my mind goes, man, I'd really like to see that woman naked or something. And my head's conditioning is to think that's bad. So now the teacher, to be a teacher, has to hide that thought. Yeah. So now another thought gets hidden, and another thing gets thought to get hidden. And the amount of energy that goes into storing thoughts, you become a storage unit. This thing that's meant to be moving, allowing something very fluid to move through, now becomes like a giant set of cabinets. You have all these old ideas and these old beliefs and you've got all the bad things and all the perverse things and all the things you don't want to share with others. And it's just an incredible filing system and a lot of managing going on. There's such a heaviness in that, yeah? There's such a freaking heaviness in that. And yet, one moment of clarity, you realize 30 years of yapping is dismissed in a nanosecond. It cannot possibly be real if it could disappear so quickly. Yeah? I mean, if something was real, and it was real for 35 years, I would think you'd have to get it like a moving company to move it, and it would take a little time and space, yes? But because it isn't, just like this. If I move this chair, does it... Did it take up some space? In other words, let's say, all right, I want to put this chair here, so first I've got to move the space. Space over here. Put it behind here. 
think that the chair is filling up the space. Is it filling up the space? I mean, is that wall actually taking up space? Is, is the space on the other side different than this space? It's all lined, yeah? It's all the partitioning of the mental process. There is no way that there's, I move this space and put this in the space. And now this is occupying the space. No space is ever occupied. All there is is space. All there is is mind. All there is is emptiness, like a sky. Yeah? Do you ever hear of that a plane ran into a piece of sky? Jesus, I ran into some heavy... I hit a sky up there. It, where? In the sky. Jesus, I didn't see that. <laughs> but clouds can appear in it. They come and go. Birds. You can have 4th of July fireworks. Does it ever uh, cut the sky open? Have you ever seen the sky? Oh, Jesus, that was big enough to cut the sky open. Nuclear explosion, still not big enough to cut the sky open. Because there's no sky to open or close. Yeah? There's no sky to move to put something else in it. It's just space. Extremely open and anything can appear in it. And yet everything that appears in it doesn't affect the sky at once. Does it? When it rains, does it rain on the sky? It seems to rain on the earth and on us. But does it rain on the sky? The sky is fucking wet as hell, didn't it? They had rainstorm. The sky is like drenched. Yeah? And yet, everything appears in it. And most people, if they describe the sky, usually they're describing the clouds in it. So they, their attention is not in the emptiness or the context. The men, mind's conditioned mind's attention is to particulars. That's what it does. It doesn't see the verbing, it sees the name and form. It's made up out of the verbing. So the emphasis is, you never really think about seeing, you think about the seer and seeing. The seeing is going on. You go home and think about the seer and the seeing. I didn't want to see that person today. Whatever, yeah? But the seeing, totally unnoticed. Yet it's, it's, it's the context. Yeah? So let me read this. I want to read this old Zen thing. Yeah? Do you mind? It's called Faith Mind. I was the third Zen patriarch. even closer to the first So it says, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So the clear mind is is in a neutral position. It's not run by either or, connected, disconnected, love, hate. It's freed from that. And from that, the great way is not difficult. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. So when love and hate are present, What's clear and undisguised becomes absent. Love and hate is the dualistic binary system of the mental process. If the attention is occupied, this yes, no, love and hate, you won't see the clear and undisguised sky. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. Now, when I used to hear this, I thought I was the one that made that smallest thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is once again being relevant, yes? I made that smallest little distinction and everything was d- dismissed, you yeah? But it's just mine, and mine, mine, conditioned mine. So, make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. Just one either or, with you as the one who's eithering or oring, can cause what's everywhere not to seem to be everywhere. He describes it as heaven and earth infinitely apart, but it's a description of we forget the sense of everywhere. 
If you wish to see the truth, this is great, I always love this one, then hold no opinion for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. The disease of a mind is the dualistic nature. Yeah? It's the subject-object nature. If this whole appearance is based in duality, And these, these are objects, like Huang Po, another great Zen master, said, whatever can be perceived, cannot perceive. So whatever can be perceived, you can perceive thoughts, that's not, that's not what's perceiving. Yeah? And what, you're perceiving a body, that's not what's perceiving. Whatever can be perceived, cannot perceive. Yeah? When this object takes upon itself in the mental process to be the subject, it turns everything else into an object to you. So now, truth, instead of being the inherent nature, becomes an object to you for you to entertain or not. So truth, its only influence really on you will be based on you. There are some people out there that don't give it, they're not studying anything about the truth or nothing like that. Yeah? They're just ordering another hot dog at the baseball game and partying and what doing everything. Yeah? It seems that it's non-existent everywhere. What the hell are you talking about? No, totally gone, totally gone, totally gone, gone. This is the god of selfing, really. Everywhere can be dismissed by a special somewhere. You as that, you know, taking yourself to be this is a special somewhere. It can dismiss the everywhereness. And then what it does is now it becomes something the special somewhere can entertain or not. You cannot, there's no choice in entertaining everywhere. There's just everywhere. Yeah? Everywhere is the entertaining. Everywhere is the entertaining. There's no special somewhere that chooses to entertain. It only seems that way to your mental process. There's just everywhere entertaining. So, in this special somewhere, I become the subject, and immediately, my nature becomes an object. Yeah. Enlightenment becomes an object. Truth becomes an object. And that object will be attained or achieved by some doing and having by the subject. So, also, if I believe I did something to get it, I will immediately believe I can do something to lose it. So I'm the one that the whole entertaining of the truth is based on, and I'm the one the whole non-entertaining truth is based on. I'm totally relevant as this. Yeah. <laughs> so when this is seen as an object, then the recognition of the true subject occurs. Yes. When the true subject, the recognition of that occurs, this travels lighter. Because the mantle of being the subject is removed. Yeah? Your relevance and how your life is going to go gets dismissed. Yes? Instead of seeing life as happening to me, I see it as happening. When I see life as happening to me, I'm the subject. When I'm seeing life as happening, that's the subject looking through the object. Yeah? The subject sees, which is life, that it's happening. And it's not happening to me. <laughs> you cannot believe how much freedom that brings in a day. If you could just see life happening instead of happening to you, it would be totally different. The whole day you would travel totally differently. <laughs> really. Now you go, oh, well, how can I do that? 
You can't do that, because that would be the mental process again. That's the selfing, yes? So selfing can't get out of selfing. So here it goes. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. The way is perfect like vast space, where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? Like vast space, with nothing lacking and nothing in excess. And everything, everything is way, is perfect just as it is because it's not that. Yeah. Just like in Zen, first there is the mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is a mountain. So the first there seems to be a world and people, then something may happen, now there is no world, and then very quickly thereafter the world appears again. But you travel a lot lighter. Yeah? Everything can be as real as it wants to be because you know it's unreal. You're not having any dispute with it because it's not real. You're not trying to get out of not, what's not happening. You just recognize it's not happening. Much quicker. <laughs> and it's nothing you do. It's just an emphasis. The emphasis shifts in mind. So, indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. In Buddhism, they would say their nature is inherently empty. Yeah. Empty of what? Being a solid, real thing. Yeah. Hmm? Hmm? The head believes it's doing the choosing, but there's no choosing. I did a study. When I was in Australia, they did a very simple study. And this lady was really trippy. She was a neuroscientist. So they, all they did is put up some electrodes on her head, and they had a clock, like a little clock with an arrow. Yeah? And they were moving the arrow around randomly. And they asked her to stop it when she wanted to stop it. So she was really going to play. So she'd actually think she was going to stop it one way, but then wouldn't. And then, you know, did all this thing. And then the, the information came back. And every choice she thought she made, the brain made it about a second before. The part of the brain lit up. Then the, act, the choice was made. And then the narrator arose and said, oh, I made the choice. That's exactly what happened. Yeah? Well, it's a matter of how you take it. Remember, we're in a language here, honey. Yes, it's very difficult to catch. These are just... Never grab the words... To me, never grab the words concretely. Just sense what's being conveyed. Yeah? Never measure the indicator. Never measure the finger that's pointing. Never make sure... What kind of ring does that finger have on? Just feel the sense of where it's pointing at. Yes? The S, the, the, what's being conveyed when your mind hears something. Not, well, what's that word exactly mean and this and that. You miss, it's like missing the forest from the trees. Definitely. Exactly. What I would ask better, no, I'd be maybe better ask who is it that's doing what that what you just said there. Not asking who's doing the choosing. Who's ask who's doing what you just did? You just shared something. Ask that. In other words, what's actually immediately happening? Ask who's doing that. Not about something else that isn't happening. Yeah. If you're having a, a question about something that isn't happening, 
instead of pointing it at the thing that isn't happening, ask who is it that's having that question at that moment. Yeah? That would, I would be much more valuable than looking at the dead example. Yeah, like, what is it? Does it mean choosing? Ask, well, who said, who's going over that now? Yeah? The mental process, it's like we're releasing a bee in a very small system. So it's buzzing, yeah? Like a fly. You ever see a fly? No windows are closed. They're all closed, so it can't get out. You think the fly really wants to be in the room? No. So it's buzzing, and it's running into glass, because it doesn't realize there's glass, yeah? This is what this invitation is sort of like at times. It goes through the mail slot of the mental process. The mental process tries to read it tries to figure it out, tries to understand it, tries to embrace it, and it drives the mental process crazy. So it goes, how can I have this thing? It's nothing. I can't get... Do, do, do. Am I the chooser or what? And this and that. That's what it's doing. It's driving the freaking thing crazy. So hopefully, something there'll be a startling of it, because it's a verb. A verb can start, be startled. Like if you're driving, and you run into a tree, that driving has been startled into submission. Yeah, There's no more driving anymore. So the selfing can be startled with an invitation. So the buzzing that's going on, what's the choosing? That's the whole invitation, not to get an answer about it, but the aggravation that the mind is wrestling with. Yeah, Because the mental process is still believing that it can untwist the twisting. All it is is twisting. There's never an untwisting in there. What happened with me, in a way... This stuff, I was invited to see this way. The first thing I had, the lady was, who was sharing it, I sat there and I went, something occurred. Like the lens just went, poof, poof, and opened up more than I had seen. And I realized, Jesus, I was noticing state mental conditions, but I thought it was me noticing the mental conditions. But what was noticing the mental condition was a mental condition. Yeah? <laughs> this happened about eight times, so... There I was, thinking I was seeing the mental conditions. And so it was telling, wow, this is pretty good. I think much clearer than I used to be. And I was looking at the mental conditions, assuming the real me, or whatever, was getting clear on mental conditions. It was another mental condition. That would happen about eight times where the content would expand and more would be in the content, but there would still be an aspect of the mental process thinking it was on the rim looking out from the context, going, oh, I've seen all these mental states, but that's a mental state. Yeah? And it happened about eight times. And after about eight examples, I realized I got the principle. There is no authentic self. <laughs> no matter what level or, or plateau the mind tries to present itself as, it's still in and as the mental process. Yeah? That's the freedom from it. The act of identifying as the mental process is just that, trying to claim a vision of the mental process. Yeah? I've seen the expanse of the mental process. No, it hasn't. That's part of the mental process. There's just a widening, and the emphasis shifts from the content to the context. Yeah? So right now, the content, as context, yeah, is trying to figure out things. That's incredible, because the context, as content, will see will be realized as all content. <laughs> you aren't wrestling with content. The you is content. Yeah? You aren't trying to get this message, or are trying to get this message. That's content. There is no you 
in the content that is the context. Yes, yes. Well, you can call that a self. I, I come from recovery where we have a, a different meaning to self, like a small s. So I'm always speaking from there. Yeah. If the authentic self is like means everywhere, yeah. But if an, if an authentic self is a sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate, or, or, or an eternal, independent, separate, then I'm not, that's not my view of it. Well, there, there's no difference. They both don't exist. I don't believe in the context I share from, there is no self, authentic or no. If you're calling, what I f- feel you're calling is that all awareness, all consciousness, then yes. Yes. Yes, but I don't call it or hold it with the idea of a self or a name of a self. I just call it being or awareness. Yeah. Yes, yes. A self infers too much to the conditioned mind, in my view. So where were we? Again, context and content. Yes. So, you like this? We can continue. Yeah. Let me go back here again. Indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things live neither in the entanglements of outer things nor in the inner feelings of emptiness. (laughs) That little self once it gets in there. If if it's dismissed from the entanglements of outer things, it will definitely represent itself as what's feeling the inner feelings of emptiness. Be serene in the oneness of things. Be serene in the oneness of of things. There's no you that's going to be serene. We're having a, it's a language, yeah, a difficulty. Whereas an object using a subjective language, it's very difficult to, you can't capture the meaning with words. They're very bad vehicles to, to express it. So you have to have, give it a little leeway. So be serene in the oneness of things. In the oneness of things, that's serene. There's no being serene. It's serene. Yeah. serene. Serenity is the oneness of things. The oneness of things is serenity. There's no being serene. It's serenity, the oneness of things. And such, be serene in the oneness of things. And what will happen? Such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. In other words, you have no relevance in the appearance or disappearance of them, yeah? The, the, the views will disappear by themselves because the one who's having the views, be them good or bad, will disappear, yeah? So the meaning of all the views will, will disappear because the one who's having all the meaning about the views will disappear. So like Ramana said about uh, possessions, he said, don't give up your possessions, or if you want to give them up, just give up the possessor. Much faster. So, 
Be serene in the oneness things, and such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. What erroneous views is he talking about? Living in the entanglement of outer things, or in the inner feelings of emptiness? When you try to stop activity to achieve passivity, your very effort fills you with activity. <laughs> That's a dilemma with self trying to get out of self. Yeah? So, see, if you learn that, all right, I'm in my head all the time, and you want to get out of it, that would be being in your head, trying to get out of it, wouldn't it? This, the mental process, there's no exit door. Every exit door is part of the, the system, the structure. You cannot get out of the mental process as a product of it. There's no freaking way. And there's a lot of exit doors. But every exit door will lead you into another little labyrinth of being, quote-unquote, in self, in the small, small self. Let's say. When I'm speaking about self, let's just take it to be the small self. Would the small self be the same as the ego? Not... It's not really to me. The ego is a, a structure-defined representation of it, but the, sense, the self is a sense. The feeling of being a self is a... Is a is a, a feeling wrapping around a thought. Yeah, it's different than ego. In a way. There's a feeling, a vague sense of being a individual, a body. Yeah. 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 Well, you can switch names. I just where I come from in recovery, self is what we use to express ego and everything else. Yeah? So when you try to stop activity to achieve passivity, your very effort fills you with activity. As long as you remain in one extreme or the other. You will never know oneness. Yeah. Either or, connected, disconnected. So if you really believe you're connected, <laughs> then you can really believe you're disconnected. Yeah? It's not holding one view over the other. It's seeing that both views are views. Yeah? To have a view, there has to be a viewer. The whole point is there is no viewer, so the views lose meaning. Those who do not live in the single way fall in both activity, fail in both activity and passivity, assertion and denial. So like Jesus would said that if your if your eye be single, your body will be full of life. So if the way you see is non-dualistic, your body's full of life. If your eye is, is dualistic, you're going to be full of light sometimes maybe and not full of light sometimes. <laughs> And the filling and the unfilling will be based on you, yes? Or what you do or don't do. <laughs> but if your eye be single, then your body's full of light. That's sort of like the sense of it is. That's the context, yeah? The sense of full of lightness. The content is I can be more light and less light. So, those who do not live in a single way fail in both activity. Oh, I have ants all over this thing now, it's cool my recorder. See, they're getting the message. They see it as a nest. Yeah? <laughs> as long as you remain in one extreme or the other, you will never know oneness. Those who do not live in the single way, and you're off the hook, is everyone's living in the single way. <laughs> That's the solution. There's no other way but the single way. The dualistic manner is an appearance. There's no way. There's no dualistic way. So... There's no sweat. Yeah? We're all living in the single way. It's just acknowledging it. To deny the reality, of thing, the reality of things is to miss their reality. To assert the emptiness of things is to miss their reality. So to, not, to deny the reality of things is to miss their reality. To, to assert 
the emptiness of things is to miss their reality. So you can't win, can you? (laughs) If I assert or deny, I miss it. (laughs) If I do or don't do, I miss it. (laughs) You're dumb out of love. (laughs) I love it. The more you talk and think about it, the further astray you wander from the truth. Yes. Stop talking and thinking. Forgive me for talking. And there is nothing you will not be able to know. Because the way we express knowing here is thinking and talking, yes? When you stop those modalities of knowing, then the all-knowing, prior knowing is available. And in that knowing, the great relief is there's nothing you need to know in the knowing. Yeah? In the knowing, there's no need to know anymore. <laughs> You're free for the need to be liberated. So stop talking and thinking, and there's nothing you will not be able to know. To return to the root is to find the meaning, but to pursue appearance is to miss the source. At the moment of inner enlightenment, which is now, by the way, You ever hear that song by Kenny Loggins? This is it. Make no mistake who you are. This is it. This is it. To return to the root is to find the meaning, but to pursue appearance is to miss the source. At the moment of inner enlightenment, there is going beyond appearance and emptiness. The changes that appear to occur in the empty world will we call real only because of our ignorance. So when you're taking yourself to be real, the world seems real. So if you, someone says, is the world real? It's as real as you are. Literally. It's based, totally based on that. The world is as real as you are. Do, all right, yeah. Do not search for the truth. Only cease to cherish opinions. <laughs> That's a beautiful statement. Eh? Do not search for the truth. Just, just stop cherishing opinions. Maybe your opinion is you need to search for the truth. Now the head will go, okay, I'm going to stop searching for the truth. No, that would be searching for the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get out of it. As this. There's no way. You let it take as far as it wants to go, you never leave the mental process. Never. It will create dimensions and differences and distance from whatever it believes is the content, but it's the content still. Do not remain in a dualistic state. Avoid such pursuits carefully. If there is even a trace of this and that, of right and wrong, the mind essence will be lost in confusion. That's a beautiful statement. The dualistic state is seeing is self and other. Is you as the subject and everything else as an object. That's the dualistic state. When that vision is going on, if that verb is activated and you're entranced by it, the mind essence, as it says here, will be lost in confusion. Your ability to be clear will seem to be unclear. It's not your ability, but the clarity of mind will seem to be unclear the peace of mind will see to be agitated. Okay? You will 
the, the knowing of serenity and comprehending peace will not be such. You'll have ideas of serenity, serenity and concepts about peace. So it says, all right, although all dualities come from the one, do not be attached even to the one. When the mind exists undisturbed in the way, nothing in the world can offend. Because there's no one to be offended. And when things can no longer offend, it ceases to exist in the old way. Ah, uh, yes. So if I'm identified as a dream object, then the dream other objects can offend me. If I wake up from the dream of being this object, then the dream objects cannot offend me. I must be identified as a dream object to be offended by the dream. I must be a dream object to be scared of the dream tiger. It's a total requirement. For this place to seem as real as real can be, I have to seem as real as real can be. They're both like predicated on each other. There's no each other. There's just one mind. But it's... When no discriminating thoughts arise, the old mind ceases to exist. Now some people would say this is about no thought, no mind. But the point is, for me, it's not about thought. It's about you're not the thinker of it. And the thoughts aren't about you. Yes? Because the thoughts are discriminating, and they are discerning, and they are saying yes or no, hot and cold, bad and good, because they're dualistically produced. Yeah? They can't think any other way. The thoughts can, are, are, are a product of a very small system. They can't have a thought other than the thought that that system produces. To try to find what's singular by a dualistic system of knowing is an impossibility. When I was young, I had a guru, a teacher... And I got, I lost my way after a few years with him, and I went back running around. And one night I got run over by a car, and I was really damaged badly physically. And when I was in the hospital, I went into a hallucinatory state quite often, where I could fly and everything. And I could fly through people and stuff like that. And I started to travel while I was in the hospital to different places. And I went to see him. And he was having a program in Florida. with, And it was a family program. So everyone who had kids that followed him had kids there. And he had his kids there. And he was on a little dive. And I was flying around the room. And people were flipping out. And I was yelling at them, Don't worry, I can fly through you and everything. And I flew around a couple times. And I landed where he was nearby. And I looked at him. And the looking was, I wanted to know the truth. Yeah? And I looked at him with all the sincerity whatever could have. And I looked at him, and I was tell- it was like telepathically, he picked up what I wanted. And he just had a little smirk, and he says, it's too simple for you to ever get. Yeah? And then I felt that. I felt the incapability of how I was to embrace what's already so. There is no way the way I was taking myself to be, that it could ever embrace the truth. It just doesn't have... It can't pick up the truth, it can't calibrate the truth, it actually can't recognize the truth. And that that feeling of the inevitability of failure just washed up over me. It was a very intense hit. I've never forgotten it. I mean, I remember those things more than any dreams I've ever had before and since, these freaking hallucinations. But... The, what was demonstrated to me was my incapability as this to know that because there is no this and that it's the absence of this that's that 
So, when no discriminating thoughts arise, the old mind ceases to exist. The old mind ceases, ceases to exist. When thought objects vanish, this actually, the thinking subject vanishes. The thinking subject is the mental process, yeah? The thinking subject is the mental process making up a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separated. The thinking process. When this is seen to be an object, clearly, then the thinking process is seen also to be an object, not, not subject. Yeah? So, when thought objects vanish, the thinking subject vanishes, as when the mind vanishes, objects vanish. Things are objects because of the subject. When this, this conditioned mind becomes a subject, you are an object to me. The mind subject is such because of things. So if I view you as an object, I'm viewing you as an object is part and parcel of the activity of me taking myself to be a subject. Yeah. In the, understand the relativity of these two. In other words, they're finite, they're an appearance. There's no reality to them. And the basic reality, the unity of emptiness. Understand the relativity, relativity of these two and the basic reality, the unity of emptiness. Yeah? In this emptiness, the two are indistinguishable. Subject and object are indistinguishable. Seen. Not seer and seen. Seen. Yeah? Not hearer and heard, hearing, not feeler and felt, feeling. In this emptiness, the two are indistinguishable, and each contains the, in itself the whole world. If you do not discriminate between coarse and fine, you will not be tempted to prejudice and opinion. To live in the great way is neither easy nor difficult, but those with limited views are fearful and irresolute. You can't have a more limited view than the view of self-centeredness. <laughs> the faster they hurry, the slower they go. Better get to your next meeting. <laughs> the faster they hurry, the slower they go. And clinging cannot be limited. Clinging can even be about non-clinging. You're clinging to the idea of non-clinging, yes? Again, never an escape from the process by the process. You can't get out of what you're not in. It's impossible. There's no out of what you're not in. So even to be attached to the idea of enlightenment is to go astray. Just let things be in their own way. And there will be neither coming nor going. Obey the nature of things, your own nature, and you will walk freely and undisturbed. When thought is in bondage, the truth is hidden, for everything is murky and unclear. Thought is in bondage, bondage when it's seen as yours. Yeah? When a thought is seen as your thought, that's the bonding agent to the idea of being a self. That's what happens. A thought is seen, its nature is to come and go, like everything else. So the thought comes, and it's very quick usually. We came and went as a body, but it seems like it's a long period in time. 
But a thought comes and goes very quickly. Yeah? So the thought comes, the mental reaction in the modality of private of privatization or ownership claims it and goes, I'm the thinker. And then it goes, as soon as it becomes my thought, now it's captured in this realm of time. Yes. Now it just circles around like that fly. It, that thought sets up the, the motion and then the mind starts representing from the past and speculating about it in the future. Yeah? So the few the thought stirs up all this representing by the mind and it can only represent what's happening based on its programming, which is memory and past. Yes. So it goes over and over again an event and it looks at it from this angle, what did I should have done, what what they did, this and, that, and just goes on and on nauseum. Yeah? And you stay in a realm of an, a mental experience where time is much more important than now, and the mental experience is playing God. It's playing God so much, it can make, it can override what's happening with what's not happening. You can be thinking about next Friday, and it'll have the biggest effect on your Saturday than anything that happened in Saturday. That, to me, is mind-boggling. That a mental experience can have more effect than everything else that happens today on you. And it's not happening. <laughs> you cannot, it's not even like you're resurrecting next Friday. It never happened yet. You're a much greater miracle worker than Jesus. Yeah? At least Lazarus was dead and then he was risen from the dead. You're, ra- you're raising into existence something that doesn't exist next Friday. <laughs> and you're allowing it to override now. <laughs> talk about, you know, like in Buddhism they talk about you cherish the idea of self. And the mind does. The mind made this thing up and it loves it. It loves seeing life from the point of view of self. The mental process. That's why there's no relief. The mental process, even if it had a chance, would never want to leave the mental process. It tells you it wants to leave, but it has no intention. Just like people say they want to be free, but they don't want to be free. They want to want to be free. They want everything. To, they want everything. They want to be just like they are, but everything better. <laughs> or maybe they want an improved self. This self isn't working as much, but I know a self will work. I just want to get a better self. It's always, always, always contained in that one little non-existent realm of selfing. Yeah? So, I, I obey the nature of things your own nature, and you will walk freely and undisturbed. When thought is in bondage, the truth is hidden, for everything is murky and unclear. And the burdensome practice of judging brings annoyance and weariness. Yeah? (laughs) Pretty good description, yeah? (laughs) The burdensome practice of judging brings annoyance and weariness. (laughs) What benefit can be be derived from, from distinctions and separations? Really? Yes, but thank God there isn't a you. I love it. It's working on you. Do you think a lot, a lot of the invitations are meant to irritate the hell out of you, honey? This thing about love and joy and peace, fuck that. You want some irritant in there. 
You want to fly in the ointment. These things are so lubed, they can come up with to any spiritual revelation and make it a concept. You want to throw some irritant in there. Yes? Let it cook. That's why, see, the mental process is a verb. It can be startled. Yeah? Into stopping. It's not infinite. It's not no beginning and no end. There's a beginning and end. There's giant intervals all day. This pauses constantly, where it has to get some juice up again to keep on selfing. Yeah? There are moments, the, act, the exit point, the real exit point, is in a pause, and every moment has that quality of a pause. Yeah? So it's incredible. This is the whole point. This isn't meant to make, well, it could do whatever it does. For me, it sort of demanded me not to look from the system, but to look at the system. The system that's cooking this view up, yeah. And I, for me, to me, this is one of the most beautiful demonstrations of dual duality than I've ever heard. It's such a beautiful demonstration of split mind. So, if you wish to move in the one way, do not dislike even the world of senses and ideas. Indeed, to accept them fully is identical with true enlightenment. Not accept and reject. Acceptance, yeah? What is... People have a lot of difficulty with acceptance, but if you look at it, what do you need to do? Nothing. If I'm in acceptance of this room, I don't want to change anything. I don't want someone who's not here to be here. I don't want someone who's here not to be here. It's just... It's such a beautiful state. And when you're in it, you never think about the word acceptance. Because you're in acceptance. Yeah? It's when you're seemingly not in acceptance that you bring it up. What about acceptance? But acceptance isn't a product of selfing. It's a byproduct of a shift. Yeah? The mind shifts. And now, now it's, it's not like something you can practice, acceptance. It's something that expresses through you. For me, surrender, I had a grace of a surrender in life. I got hit by a car, there was no surrender. I've been shot at, there was no surrender. I've overdosed, there was no surrender. I've had incredible levels of consequences, no surrender. But it was at a regular day at the office, just trying to get loaded, and then cop some drugs. Yeah? Something happened. I had what we call a moment of clarity. And that moment of clarity brought me a demonstration of surrender. Yeah? My mind entertained it, and now it knows surrender. And surrender, so now there's a state of being surrendered. I don't need an event of surrender anymore. There's just an, a sober mind surrendered yeah? to, the inevit- to the inevitability of this absence, actually. Yeah? So I never knew what surrender was until it was a gift, in a way. That's why I like your ability to entertain is just missing what to entertain. You can entertain almost anything. Yeah? But a lot of people haven't heard certain things. So to me, that's what the message is, is inviting you to entertain something that you may not have entertained. Yeah? Because your, your ability to entertain is unbelievable. Not your ability, you know, mind's ability. But it can't seem to entertain unless it's been introduced to it. Because the self-centered system, you're busily entertaining separation. You're entertaining body as you. You're entertaining quite a lot. Yeah? Really. 
And in that system, it's a very jealous system. It's not going to really allow you to entertain anything other than what it brings about. Yeah. So people don't entertain they're okay. They entertain that they, they will be okay later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, rely on it. Yeah. But there's no you relying on it. Yeah. With the experience, and then the more you surrender, the more you trust, or or not you, but whatever. Yeah, I needed the I needed the grace of the event. I had to see what it was like because I had no idea. All my entertaining was defined by where I was entertaining from. Just the same thing in spirituality. I was doing a lot of forms of practice. And the only way I could entertain spirituality was based on the system of self-centeredness, which was doing and having, and I've got to do this and get that, or go there and see them, or practice this and get another turbocharged form of meditating, and constantly like a giant act of improving. Yeah? I couldn't think outside that box. And that was the only thing I was relying on to know anything, was the system. Yeah? So I was, there was no way out. And then I was introduced into, I remember it was very... I was again searching for another form of t- meditation, another technique, because I did Vipassana, Zen, Kundalini, <laughs> tons of different kinds of meditation. And the person I was talking to said, why not ask who's the meditator? Yeah. So one, at one time I was entertained to la- let my attention, instead of going out from this as the source, look at the source. Let's see if this is who I am. When I so- saw looking that way, I didn't find anything. So I realized that this I was engaged as a mental process in a mental process. And, there's, and it was very, <laughs> there's no way out of that as a product of it. <laughs> if I'm identified with what the mental pro- process is presenting as me, which is self, yeah, the idea of being a body or having a body, whatever, then I can never get out of that mental process. <laughs> because I am believing I am a product of it, yeah? That was a big damn letting go because I saw there's nothing I can do. The doing and having exhausted itself. There's no more I can do. It's not taking me anywhere. Yeah. So I was sort of like left with my pants down in like the middle of a village, you know, center. And I was trying to pull them up, but nothing could pull them up. Then I just got used to walking around with my pants down. And that's sort of what it's like ever since. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just walking around. People invite me places I go, and then <laughs> basically walk around my pants now. Hmm? I think there's aspects of mind, not conditional, and I would say that's what's entertaining. The invitation goes through the conditioned mind, because that's the only mail slot we have for many of us. But the entertaining of it isn't by the mental process. In the beginning, the mental process will be entertaining it. Then it gets very perplexed and gets really frustrated, and it's trying to make something out of it for a while. And it exhausts itself, and then there's another form of entertaining, which to me activates a way of living. Not knowing, yeah? Or not thinking about it. But it starts demonstrating through as you're going through your days, yeah? So you know the tree by its fruit, so to speak. Because it starts being a recognition. So, hey, traveling lighter, yeah? And then that entertaining to me is like free range. I don't entertain anything. 
there's entertaining. Yeah? There's like an alertness in what shows up, there's entertaining of it or not. And that's, but it's always a constant state of entertaining. Entertaining consciousness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. You know, I can't say it. It's just, all that I come up with is intimated by traveling. Just living as some whatever, and then it's informed somewhat through this, and then I share it. But what's good for me, in a way, I didn't bring it in with a lot of concepts and stuff. As soon as it started to hit me, I just stopped doing that reading or anything like that. I just let it let it be like homegrown in a way. See what happens. See how whatever is so cooks up and how it will express itself. So in me, I come from addiction and recovery, so it expresses through that. Yeah. That's how it's familiar. So those are the obvious avenues it's used to coming out in communication, so that juice just comes out that way and tries to, you know. Yeah. So let's finish it. So the sheep mind with the discriminating mind is the greatest of all mistakes. So self getting out of self. Let me go actually again. Indeed, to us, all right, the wise man strives to no goals, but the foolish man fetters himself. There is one Dharma, you know Dharma, but one way. Yeah. Not many. Distinctions, are, distinctions arise from the clinging needs of the ignorant. So sometimes here it looks like people need a doing and having. Other people are at to a point that they can entertain doing and having is a useless uh, modality, they start entertaining, let's say, non-doing and non-having, yeah? But in fact, all there is is one dharma, which is all there is is that, or this. That's that. You would say it's the present awareness, but it's just awareness. It's no present at all. It's all so. So there's just that awareness. Hmm. So, to seek mind with the discriminating mind, discriminating mind is the greatest of all mistakes. Rest and unrest derive from passion. With enlightenment, there is no liking or disliking. Well, let's say there's a lot of liking and disliking, but there's no one to like or dislike. Yeah? Liking and disliking have no meaning unless there's the one that dislikes or likes. Liking and disliking is how this place is perceived from conditioned mind. Yeah? What gives it the meaning is the you who you think is disliking. Yeah? and liking. When you see someone else and they share their dislikes and likes, it doesn't mean much to you. Yeah? But your dislikes and likes can be super incredibly profound. Why is that? They're both dislikes and likes, but one's theirs and one's yours. It's the their and yours that gives it the meaning. Yeah? To me, the activity of selfing isn't a thought, it's the my. My thought. The my, the act of being identified gives it meaning. Yeah? You represent a lot of old ideas and a lot of beliefs and a lot of conditioning. When that you, that tag called Paul, claims something happening, a lot of these old files download through that claiming. And then the thought brings you all of this. It's not bringing something from outside. You're injecting it with the meaning it has for you. Yes. 
It says rest and unrest derive from passion, for sure. What desire to sleep, like, you know, being tired and dark, desire to sleep all the time, all that thing. Well, the thing is, it's the opposite once again. People call rest and then there's unrest. Yeah. But what they're talking about here is there's a priorness, there's a rest that isn't based on unrest. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. In other words, there's a seeing without a second. There's a seeing without non-seeing. The singularity, the single way, doesn't have rest and unrest. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't have have the, the opposite, the dance of opposites with so much meaning as the opposites are happening to you as the center. The you is not the center, this fake you. Yeah? Yes. I'm thinking of tired and tired and rested. Yeah, yeah. So all dualities come from ignorant inference. They are like dreams or flowers in the air. Foolish to try to grasp them. Gain and loss, right and wrong, such thoughts must finally be abolished at once. How do you do that? Just realize you're not the thinker of it or entertain it. That's what abolishes the thoughts because the thoughts are just a vehicle for meaning that your head's giving you. Yeah? If you give up the head, the meaning will, will, will not be transferred to the thoughts and they will come and go. Their nature is to come and go. Hmm? I have no idea. I would say, for me, the senses, they come from the conditionality and the, and the uh, memory of mind, yeah? Based on experiences and conditionings of this body. So something happens, and my mind represents it as it reminds it that something happened similar to this in the past. Yeah. So the past comes up with feeling and thought. That's exactly right. But then it brings up a lot of thoughts and past uh, that seem to come from the past. It's like a whole package. Yes. The past is just a thought that's arising now. But you believing in it brings tons of thoughts with it. You give it a meaning. In other words, it's not the past that has any meaning. It's just the thought that's happening now. But the conditioned head injects it with a giant array of thoughts. It makes it a, a, like a mental realm that seems real. Yeah. For something that never happened except now, you've thought a lot about it. So you have it exactly right. It's just the thought now, but that thought now conjures a whole realm of thoughts. Hmm? Yes. So here, the fast, or where do we go here? Gain and loss, right and wrong, such thoughts must finally be abolished at once. If the eye never sleeps, all dreams will naturally cease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing never sleeps. All there is is seeing. Here, we think we can be conscious and unconscious. That would be like seeing goes to sleep. I've been unconscious all day. I was doing this and that. And, but seeing never sleeps. It never blinks. The single eye never blinks. All there is is that awareness. Yeah. In that, all dreams are seen to be what? Dreams. If the mind makes no discriminations, the 10,000 things, and in Chinese old law, the play between the opposites makes up the 10,000 things. Yeah. So, if the mind makes no discriminations, the 10,000 things are as they are, of single essence. To understand the mystery of this one essence is to be released from all entanglements. When all things are seen equally, the timeless self-essence is reached. That authentic self you were talking about. 
the timeless, the timeless self-essence is reached. No comparisons or analogies are possible in this causeless, relationless state. Consider movement stationary and the stationary in motion. Both movement and rest disappear when such dualities cease to exist. Oneness itself cannot exist. To this ultimate finality, no law or description applies. For the unified mind, in accord with the way, all self-centered striving ceases. All self-centered striving ceases. It doesn't mean all self-centered striving ceases for most of us. You just realize you're not what's, you know, striving, yes? So the striving is disengaged and is not being given much meaning anymore because it isn't you striving. What makes the striving so meaningful is you. Yeah? Are you, are you really impressed by other people striving? Not often, that often. I'm, you're really striving, I could care less. But my striving has huge amounts of meaning because it's me, yes? So the meaning isn't in the striving, it's in who thinks it's striving. We're looking at, I'm not that, and so let the striving continue. Or not. The striving or not doesn't preclude me or, or uh, include me in anything. All there is is that. It's not based on if I strive or don't strive, yeah? We're going to go a little longer, yeah, to take a break. Oh, I'm almost done. You want to finish this? Yeah. Isn't this? I like this. This, is, this blows my mind. I remember when I was young, I went to Sai Baba, that guru in India. And they you have rows of people. You could go see them. And I had this in a book, and I let them bless it. You know, I was like this. <laughs> blessed it. I had a lot of importance in this when I was young. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on with it, but I sort of liked it. Wow. So, Doubts and irresolutions vanish, and life in true faith is possible. To me, true faith is an ease and comfort now, yeah, as you're traveling. Not getting a parking lot, next, you know, a parking space next week, or meeting a girl, or anything. True faith is, like we said last night, everyone here has tons of faith. It's just what you put it in that's going to produce an effect here. If you put it in conditioned mind, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. Because you're going to dwell in time. Really, time will be more important than what's happening. And anything can happen in what's not happening. So, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of, you know, this and that. But with this, it just translates into an ease and comfort. You're so economized and, and pared down, much more fluid. You are not, obviously, but there's a fluidity to life. So, With a single stroke, we are free from bondage. Nothing clings to us and we hold to nothing. All is empty, clear, self-illumination, with no exertion of the mind's power. No selfing, yeah? All is empty, clear, self-illumination, with no exertion of the mind's power. Here, thought, feeling, knowledge, and imagination are of no value. In this world of suchness, there is neither self nor other than self. Yeah. To come directly into harmony with this reality, just simply say, when doubt arises, not to. <laughs> yeah. 
Or like we say, just recognize what you're not, and that's it. By me recognizing the arising of what I'm not, with that understanding, that's being what I am. Conscious. Yeah? That is the act of consciousness. I'm, right, I'm seeing what's arising as what I'm not, that's the act of consciousness. Yeah. There's no more needed to be done. That's it. It's a verb. In this not too, nothing is separate, nothing is excluded. No matter when or where, enlightenment means entering this truth. All and this truth is beyond extension or diminution diminution, whatever? Yeah. In time or space. In other words, it's not affected by circumstances and situations. Yes. It's unblemished by the most heinous act you feel you've committed hasn't left a scar on it. The greatest thing that you ever did never polished it. The heinous, most heinous thing didn't leave a scar on it. The greatest thing you're doing never polished it. Emptiness here, emptiness there, but the infinite universe stands always before your eyes. Infinitely large and infinitely small, no difference for definitions have vanished and no boundaries are seen. So too with being and non-being. Don't waste time in doubts and arguments that have nothing to do with this. One thing, all things move along and intermingle without distinction. Just a giant verbing going on. There is no noun to be found. Just verbing. Just being. Being, being, being. No being, no being, just being. No being, just being. To live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. <laughs> what a great relief. <laughs> to live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. <laughs> to live in this faith is the road to non-duality. Because the non-dual is one with the trusting mind. Words, the way is beyond language. For in it there is no yesterday, no tomorrow, no today. This is an incredible sounding, whatever, conditioning, isn't it? It doesn't have a, a constant sound. It's like waves. It gets built. Right? Can you hear that? Oh, it's a fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so trippy, man. I've been sitting here the whole time. It's like... So the head, this or that. Condition that seeing, looking this or that, seeing, looking this or that, seeing, looking has to be this or that, seeing, because looking is dualistic, seeing is not. Yeah? Mind, mental process is can only look dualistically, it's part of its process. The light sees singularity. Seeing is forgotten. Now we're looking for new ways of looking to improve our way of looking. 
We're suffering from a way of looking, both self-centeredness. Now we're looking for other ways to make it a little better. But truly, every way of looking, in a way, can be seen as a self, as really a way of being blind to seeing. The seeing is natural. It's, it's obvious. There's nothing to do. With, you have nothing to do with it. It's just what's so. A way of looking can make it exotic, can make it infrequent, can make it based, be based on what you do or don't do. All ways of looking will fail because they imply that there's, there's a non-looking in it. Seeing has no non-seeing. All there is is seeing. Sort of end the story. So we're going to take a break, yes? Please? For a while, we're going to go get something to eat. Huh? Yeah, yeah.